guys, welcome to Rankin Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's it going? So, I fell down a really weird internet hole today, thanks to the cartoonist Lee Davis. So, uh, she does the No Mario's Tumblr. Have you ever seen No Mario's? No, what is No Mario's? It is a Tumblr where Lee Davis draws every video game character that is not Mario <laughs> from retro video games. So it's like Artie and Peck from, you know, Artie Lightfoot. Remember Artie Lightfoot from 1993? <laughs> Holy shit. So wait, they're doing like the Burger Time guy and Frogger? Yeah, and like the the monkey from ape escape with a light on his head <laughs> holy fuck so the entire point of the thing is no i will do everything except mario yeah yeah it's um and it's like no mario is allowed and it's like a super cute fan art style so anyway lee davis made a zine of failed video game mascots so at at nintendo's inception Back when it was the Famicom, when they had the Famicom, the family computer system, mm-hmm. they had an anthropomorphic floppy disk named Disk-Coon. <laughs> Holy shit. And it had arms and eyeballs? Yeah, it had arms and eyeballs, and Ryan, I'm in love with this little dude. <laughs> Holy shit. Because he's just a friendly little floppy disk. And then I found out that Nint- that Sega has had like 18 mascots before Sonic, which is just buck wild. Holy shit. One of them being a rabbit in a top hat. So I don't know why everyone is so uh, bent on Sonic fan art when they could be doing uh, jauntily clad rabbit fan or art. Or Disc-Coon, which I, you have to wonder how they finally settled on Sonic the Hedgehog that like... Why was that the one? I mean, there's an alternate universe where, like, PlayStation's mascot is Bubsy the Cat. Yeah. So, so I feel like we need to bring mascots back. Because if you were to ask me what is Nintendo's current mascot... Uh... Is it is it Mario? Like at what it, point is it Mario? Is, is it a Super Mario? Like I don't. Yeah, which I actually mascots in general I think need to be a thing with bands because especially with metal bands I feel like that would get me back into the current metal scene because yeah. I feel like in the 1980s if you were a metal band you probably should have had some kind of mascot like if you're Iron Maiden you had Eddie. If you're Voivod, you're you've got the Voivod. Yeah, you even have even Voivod has the Voivod. <laughs> right. Like I, I feel like now. All right. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a question that uh, I asked this question at like three in the morning, and Christina was like, I don't know, um, but I I realized I can't think of a single rock band, new rock band after two thousand five that I have given a shit about. Um. Now, like, there are extreme metal bands that I really care oh, about. Oh, like... But, yeah. like, radio rock? No. Yeah, yeah. Like, there, there, there are lots of... Especially, like, death metal. Like, there are a lot of new bands that I really, really like. But I feel like that's different from, like, rock music setting the world on fire. Like, I feel like all of the really culturally interesting, relevant stuff that's happened in the last, like, ten years has mostly been either pop or hip-hop. Yeah. Um, I mean, I went to see Muse live in the past ten years... <laughs> 
and buddy it was an experience holy shit i because like i'm like oh okay so what are what are the last rock bands that really blew my hair back and i'm like uh queens of the stone age the white stripes i mean muse is also that old but like they're they're one of those bands that i hate to talk about how much i like them because it's such a like oh my god it's pretentious radiohead but uh <laughs> actually prog rock radiohead i really like but muse. also to see uh muse but i saw muse in 2005 mm-hmm. and then i saw them again in like 2015 and their career trajectory is just astonishing which actually muse i didn't care for muse until uh, i actually i got into muse because of the movie high tension because of the outro music with like the the final scene set to a muse song yeah. Um and I was like, shit, have I been have I been unfairly sleeping on Muse this entire time? Probably. That yeah, that checks out. So what So here's my question mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. Back to Discoon. Um and, and by the way, uh Discoon and Friends is pay what you want on itch.io and you need to go buy it for like a gajillion dollars Holy shit. because it is the best eight page zine of an anthropomorphic floppy disk i have just looked up discoon that is the cutest thing i have ever seen in my life yeah yeah uh discoon and friends other forgotten mascots oh man by lee davis he kind of, you know what he looks like the uh milo goes to college kind of milo goes to college meets a gummy bear yeah yeah he's like a gummy milo goes to college like descendants cover it's like if that head had arms and legs <clears throat> And the other thing that's great is if you look at a family computer uh, disc, they look like that. <laughs> Absolutely outstanding. Because they're bright-ass pink or yellow. The, Ryan, Nintendo made a proprietary 3.5-inch floppy disc. Specifically for this. Yeah. And uh, then they're like, or we could just make Nintendo cartridges and take over the world. <laughs> Actually, my favorite thing is how many different companies have tried to make CDs shaped like the thing that they're promoting and it doesn't fucking work. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's outstanding. So what, uh, what ghoul shit have you been uh, consuming or reading or watching this week? So on the same line of really weird Japanese stuff, mm-hmm. I've been playing... Castlevania uh, Rondo of Blood. Oh, shit. Which is the, uh, until the virtual console, J- Japan only TurboGrafx CD Castlevania game. Holy shit, how is it? It's perfect. <laughs> I, so I love Castlevania. Oh, yeah. I think, I think I have to explain, though, that I love Castlevania, but I am very bad at Castlevania. Oh, this is this is me with a lot of video games where it's like, I really, really like Bloodborne a lot, and I am shit at Bloodborne. So I have friends and loved ones over at the house all the time, and they're like, please stop. We don't want you to, like, hurt yourself anymore. <laughs> because I get, like, physically angry when I fall off the really narrow platforms in Castlevania as well mm-hmm. and, like, almost throw my controller down like a petulant <laughs> child. But then I play it again. Yeah. And this is every single Castlevania game, all the way down to, like, Kid Dracula cutesy Castlevania. Oh, yeah. Which... For all intents and purposes, I've never seen the second boss. I've only beat the first one over a course of two years now. I've still never gotten past the second level. But I love these games. Yeah. So 
Uh, Rondo of Blood is my favorite, though, because um, when you die, you discorporate into pink mist. What? Why pink mist? Is it, like, sort of thin pink it's mist, gore. like blood? You have oh. been killed. Yeah, yeah. You're just, like, explode into blood. <laughs> That's, honestly, uh, I appreciate that they uh, they didn't have to go that hard, and they did. Yeah, it's so good. And, and the fact that Rondo of Blood wasn't available in north america is kind of weird Mm -hmm. but it's also oh also because it was pc engine cd or turbografx cd Mm -hmm. it has cd quality audio oh shit is wait for the for the time is that a good thing or a bad thing well i'll tell you because i am i'm i've become this is who i've become in my 32nd year of life (laughs) Sonic the Hedgehog on Sega CD mm-hmm. sounds great because it's Sonic <laughs> music with CD quality audio. Most other games, you just kind of ask why. Right. Um, the one thing that is the argument for for why Castlevania should be on CD quality sound is that Dracula speaks in German. What? And it's actually a guy speaking in German that's subtitled in the game. So is it is it like a creepy German voice, or is it just like a very reasonable like this is the guy on the subway platform being like, "Hey, I'm Dracula. How's it going? Um, you're you're." Oh, it's it's a guy going full Dracula. <laughs> Which I love. So this is a podcast where we've done like uh, the movie Dracula and lots of other Draculas besides. Does he actually say blah? He does not. To my knowledge. No Dracula has ever actually gone blah, which we've just decided is a thing Dracula says. Just all the time wandering around saying that. Like Rondo of Blood is, I haven't played that one. I think the last one I played was Symphony of the Night. Actually, Rondo of Blood is the game that Symphony of a Night Symphony of the Night is a direct sequel to. Oh shit! So, is there Castlevania continuity? And if yes, the the Castlevania continuity is our next podcast. <laughs> See, this is it'll be our pod Castlevania. It's sort of like how Mortal Kombat. I love that they're pretending that there's a coherent uh, narrative that goes through Mortal Kombat, where like my my fellows, my sirs, oh friends and neighbors. Like, this is a game where I'm trying to rip out a reptile man's spine with my claw hands. We don't need to pretend that there's a narrative here. And, like, there's a there's a single-player mode in Mortal Kombat where they're trying to maintain this illusion, and it's like, look, I showed up to this so that I could be an unholy bug lady and throw a grenade full of wasps at a guy whose thing is that he's drunk. <laughs> yeah, Let's don't stop. don't add real continuity. Yeah, but yeah, you know how in um, Symphony of the Night you're Dracula and someone has taken your castle. Yeah, it's the guy from Rondo of Blood. Oh fuck! <laughs> oh. So you play a whole game taking over the castle, and then the next the next game you're the asshole that has taken See, the castle. Now that I think, the, the more I hear the word Castlevania the more it doesn't make any goddamn sense. Like, do they just take Transylvania and stick Castle into it and just decide, whatever, fuck it. It's 1992. Roll. Like, they just throw it out there, and they've, they've chosen a title. Akumaju is the uh, Japanese name for mm-hmm. it, which means Devil's Castle. Well, shit. I, I guess I learned something new today. So the original Castlevania is Akumaju Dracula, which is Devil's Castle Dracula. And I guess, you know, as per usual, North America's <laughs> like, we're not ready for 
1980 game being called Devil Castle. <laughs> yeah, we're we're still Satanic Panic is alive and well. Yeah, yeah, we're still coming off a period where we were just like sending our kids to shady uh, summer camps where they had to do manual labor because they were listening to Iron Maiden. Like we're yeah, maybe maybe not ready for it. Um I yeah. so this week I've been reading um Off Season by Jack Ketchum and Ooh. You know what? You're doing I'm, it. I'm doing it. I couldn't I couldn't do The Girl Next Door not because, like, it's too extreme, but because it's bad. Um, Off-season's off pretty good. I think my... Um, yeah. D is this extreme enough? Is this going to get you grossed right. out? Right, and for me, it's almost like... And this is the thing that I appreciate about Clive Barker so much, is that, like, he's got fucking crazy gore in his short stories, but also remembers to do anything else aside from... You know what it is. Did you ever play Gross Out when you were a kid? Uh, no. Tell me about Gross that. Gross Out was a game we would play where you're sitting in the cafeteria, uh, like, during lunch, and you take turns, um, saying the grossest, like, saying the, uh, the grossest things you can think of, and whoever gets the grossest one and nobody else wants to go because they're too grossed out, that makes you the winner of Gross Out. And it basically, like, a lot of extreme horror kind of feels like, er, no, no, it feels like the aristocrats joke, and I'm kind of... It's kind of a cul-de-sac for me. It's like, have you have you read the Hundred Days of Sodom? No, I've never actually gotten to. It's... I know that's like the joke <sighs> of like, hey, have you read Hundred Days of Sodom? But I've never actually done it. I mean, you basically have. It's so boring. Like, I, I think when I read it, I was so bummed out because I was expecting something genuinely transgressive, and it was mostly just like spanking, 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 jerking off into a chalice, spanking, spanking, spanking. and it was just like. It was like reading the worst Fet Life bio uh, of all time, and it's I, I I don't know I feel like there's such a, f a fine line between transgressive and exhausting. Yeah, it's it's. I think it is this what growing up is <laughs> is that I just am too tired to care about transgression anymore. I guess this is growing up. Yeah, I well especially because like Jack Ketchum I. I think what it is is sometimes I, I, I start picking at a scab. Like, there's a thing, like, I haven't read any of Jack Ketchum's books. And then I think to myself, well, he's a luminary in extreme horror. So many of the writers I respect really like Jack Ketchum. I should fucking educate myself. And now that I've started picking at that scab, I just need to understand what the appeal of Jack Ketchum is. I feel that very much. That's a lot of the movies on this podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm like... I don't like this movie, but I need to know why other people would like it. <laughs> yeah, which... And frankly, there's a lot that I'm still befuddled by, mm -hmm. but I haven't given up on... You know, yeah. like, after watching Wacko, you'd think that I would have had enough, but I had to listen to the director commentary to get <laughs> an explanation for why I should care about it. Because I figured that Graydon Clark, of all people, could tell me why I should care about this movie. Right, you would think so. I Are there any movies on this list that you feel like we, we were really... We went really hell for breakfast on when we, when we ranked it, and then you've maybe been a little more gracious toward it after watching it? Um... There's really not a lot that's too low. If anything, there's movies that are too high <laughs> when we watch good movies. Yeah, yeah. Which, all right, so so actually that's a pretty good lead into our first movie. Um, the movie I wanted to do for this week is The Loved Ones uh, from 2009. It's an Australian horror movie. Um, I don't know how to feel about The Loved Ones. So tell me about it, because I haven't gotten to see it. All right. 
So The Loved Ones is a movie centering around uh, a kid who looks like a young Nick Cave uh, who, um, the movie starts out, okay. So a real bad seed. Oh, just, the, uh, uh, yeah, he's got a red An right. absolute birthday party of a boy. <laughs> he's got a red right hand. He did remember to love, let love in, though, so that's good. Um, he, so the thing starts, and uh, the young fella is in the car with his dad, and uh, the kid is learning how to drive. And it's really sweet, like he and his dad are busting each other's balls about their musical taste. And then there's a sudden, like, look out moment, which, um... I've been in a lot of car wrecks. I feel I've, I've realized while watching this that that is a thing that makes me lose my shit internally. Is when there's a sudden car wreck in a movie, like that's yeah, it's not a good feeling. No, it's a sudden. I feel like my guts have just been wrenched out. Which, by the way, side note, side note. I was watching Final Destination two uh, this week. Um, that car crash scene is still a fucking barn burner. You mean the movie that has robbed an entire generation of driving through Appalachia? Absolutely. Like, if you're driving behind a truck that has stuff on it, you're like, uh-uh. Nope. Going around. Um, but yeah, so car stuff. And so he's driving, in the, and they, he suddenly swerves to miss um, a guy who is uh, naked and bloody and wandering down the middle of the road, uh, covered in uh, blood and what looks like uh, the letters L.S., um, and they swerve off the road and crash into a tree and the dad dies. So that was like a year before. So cut to this kid. He's got a girlfriend. He's like a young Australian kid. He's, you know, he's nice. He's like a, nor he's like a normal kid. Um, well, okay, he's not a normal kid. He's deeply traumatized by the death of his father and the fact that he blames himself for it because he wasn't an experienced driver yet. And so he copes with his guilt um, via self-mutilation uh, self with a razor that he keeps uh, on a necklace around his neck. And uh, listening to, to death metal and... Uh, okay. Yeah. Is that the most tired trope in horror? Self-injury self as a... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. And, I and think, like, the razor blade is around my neck yeah, oh, the whole time. Uh, yeah, I'm really... Listen, I'm really moody. I like to, I like to keep just evidence of the thing I'm doing. Which, uh, without going into it too much, that annoys me because so much of self-injury is about hiding that behavior... I don't, like, immediately that told me the person making this movie has never actually dealt with the self-injury, like... Or has never even bothered to ask anyone, hey, what do you think of this? <laughs> so, let's say that you were, uh, you, you know, you've got a problem with hurting yourself in order to cope with things. Are you gonna put up a big fucking neon sign outside your house saying you're doing it, or do you need a highlighter pen to draw arrows to it, or let me know. Um, so he's got that, and then he, uh, is dating a girl, and he's like... He's totally a troubled cutie, right? Like, he's got sort of shoulder-length hair, and he's kind of a hunk, and he uh, is... So the, the prom is coming up, and uh, he and his girlfriend are, are obviously going, and so uh, this uh, classmate of his, Lola, asks him to go to prom. And he's like, what? I... No, sorry, I've got a girlfriend? And he's, like, perfectly sweet about it, and he's just like, oh, no, sorry, I can't. I, I, have, a, I have a girlfriend. I'm going with my girlfriend. And it turns out that uh, Lola is the worst person who has ever lived, and she gets her father, who is uh, a creepy, creepy smiley man, to uh, eat, put, put a, a rag over the kid's mouth while the kid is out, hanging out in the scrubland, feeling bad about his dad dying. Uh, and he does the chloroform rag and sort of, you know, kidnaps the kid. And the kid wakes up. And he is tied to a chair, and he's wearing uh, a prom tuxedo, and 
the dad is wearing a t- uh, is wearing a suit, and Lola is wearing a prom dress, and um, so you you come to find out that like. Oh, so Lola wants to have her own tiny prom in this house with uh, the main character, and also she wants to torture the dog shit out of him. Um, a lot of which she gets her dad to do. Mostly her dad is the heavy here. You know, like a good father should be. Absolutely. Um, and so th- there's also the creepy um, sort of incestuous thing where it's like, oh, the, the, the dad and, and the daughter... Uh, obviously have a thing for each other, and it's like, they're they're basically like, uh, this movie is Wolf Creek if Wolf Creek w- were written by John Hughes, where it's just super Australian and super tortury, and uh, so Lola's mother is there, and they call her Bright Eyes, and she has a hole drilled into the middle of her head, and so this movie takes uh, inspiration from the real-life Jeffrey Dahmer case, where he uh, drilled a hole into one of his victims' head and poured, I want to say, hydrochloric acid into the hole, which... Yeah, he, he kind of experimented with a lot of different people, and it was just kind of trial and error. Yeah, he dabbled. Um, uh, to see what would work and what would not make a, a love slave. Right. He was, you know, a complicated fella. And so, um, the, and uh, according to Dahmer, I think it was like it turns you into a zombie, basically, if you get... A hole drilled into your head and you get your your brain meets burned? Uh, I guess. I mean, I don't know if it worked. Ev- I, I don't know if there's a case that it ever actually worked. Yeah, it's hard to take Jeffrey Dahmer at his word. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, he's not exactly an unimpeachable source of information. Um, and so this movie proceeds with that understanding that if you do that, you can, like, lobotomize a person, basically. And then you find out that Lola, you know, this isn't the first time she's done this. And she's got, like... Obviously, uh, a memento scrapbook of all the other young men that she's bamboozled into uh, coming over and getting lobotomized and thrown in a hole. And so there are three uh, kids about the main character's age who are all sort of, there's a trap door on the floor and they're living down there and they the whole thing is just like covered in bones and they're like lobotomized and they are cannibals. This movie, I don't, I don't know how to feel about it. Is it better or worse than other torture porn films of its ilk? Now, okay, so comparable movies. All right, so here's so here's the thing, right? So the torture in this, I I don't know if I'm becoming a fucking crusty uh, goblin person at this point. I th- the answer is probably yes. The answer is probably yes. I feel like the torture didn't go as hard as I was hoping it would? That sounds crazy. There, like, there's a bit, like, the kid gets his feet nailed to the floor with a knife, like, the guy just puts a knife over the top of his foot and hammers it in with a hammer, there's head drilling, there's, uh, she literally throws salt after carving her name on his chest, and, like, there's so much in it that uh, I feel like I didn't, I've seen so much horrible shit that I feel like the camera cut away too quickly and it didn't do anything interesting. It was just like, okay, so now we're... What are we doing next? Oh, okay, so now she's stabbing him, I guess, or cutting off... I It's it's not particularly compelling torture, and I feel like they just have a really cool poster image of girl in prom dress with paper crown holding power drill. Um, and that image looks dope as hell. And I, I think for me, the problem is that, like, The Loved Ones was that movie that I would scroll past on Shudder, and because of that image, just go, ooh, that looks creepy. And then, you know that thing when you build up a movie in your mind about 
how scary yeah, it must be? Yeah, it's the video store effect. Absolutely. It's the uh, ice cream man or the dentist too. Oh, it's, yeah. I've seen that that box so many times, now there's no way I can actually watch the movie. Right, or Dead Alive or Basket Case or any of those. And so this one, it maybe it just couldn't live up to the thing that I wanted. My problem with it is it doesn't really know what it's saying about trauma or about gender or about because like the you know Lola is the monster of of the movie and then you get this like subplot for no fucking reason of uh the main character's best friend who's going to prom with a with a bad girl and they sort of wander around trying to fuck throughout the movie and it's like look I need you to understand that I am not as invested in this teenage boy getting his dick wet as this movie thinks I am. I would... I can't even believe I'm going to say this. I would rather get back to the torture. Like, at least that's in the yeah, same movie. Yeah, that's such a weird choice. Like, it does not sound like it makes sense. It doesn't. And it's... I don't know if it's trying to say something about appetites or about teenage sexuality because, like, maybe it's making some kind of, like, darkly comical point about the obsession that teenagers feel where, you know, like, when you're in that first relationship with somebody... For the first time and you kind of lose your mind a little bit um because your brain is a chemical bath of uh drugs and weird brain things and then you throw in like infatuation and you know even love if you're like 15 years old and going crazy for the first time and sort of like this this relationship is the most important thing that has ever existed we went to spencer's gifts once and, <laughs> you know, and, and so maybe it's that where it's exploring two different versions of what teenage desire can look like. But honestly, I, I don't. I, this is a movie, having watched it now, I do not understand how it has 98% on Rotten Tomatoes because so much of the movie, like, okay, so she also injects bleach into his uh, vocal cords to prevent him from being able to scream, which would have been cool to know, but I feel like I, I, I had to read the Wikipedia synopsis afterward to know that that's what the deal was. Also because he wails throughout, like he's not mute. Yeah, yeah, that's a... It's very frustrating when something like that should be really clear and then you can't parse it Yeah, because of... That's like botched filmmaking. Agree. I, I feel like if I if I have to look on the Wikipedia page to know what the deal was with the injection. Now, and here's here's where I want to be kind to this in the way that I want to be kind to it follows, which I also kind of don't care for. This being in 2009, I feel like extreme horror was finding its voice in 2009 in, in a way that like, if this movie came out now it would be relatively tame compared to a lot of stuff. Like, Revenge, for example, goes fucking hard. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, a Serb... This is pre-Serbian film. Yeah, yeah. Like, and... Uh, which I still have not seen, in which I'm... Honestly, at this point, I'm like, look, I've seen The Loved Ones. I might as well keep that train rolling, you know? You know, it, <clears throat> after... This is how crusty and awful I am. Mm -hmm. After seeing some of the movies we've seen, and after like reading the plot synopsis and everyone just telling me what's so bad about it, I think, like, how bad can it be? <laughs> I mean, on my TV right now, I have paused Cannibal Holocaust. Because my God, the... what's wrong with you? <laughs> because I haven't seen it in a few years, and I was like, I had finished watching The Loved Ones, and I was like, 
It, Ryan, I've only seen it once, and I only need to see it once. <laughs> yeah. That's... In fact, I didn't need to see it that one time, yeah. but I did. Yeah, this is, well, because Bay of Blood, I feel like, honestly, everything after Bay of Blood and Cannibal Holocaust is almost kind of redundant. Like, maybe, although, I say that, here's what it is, right? So, Takashi Miike is transgressive, but I feel like he usually has a point. Yeah. Like, you think of Audition, right? And Audition is fucking gruesome, and it's really hard to watch. And also, it's kind of funnier than fuck. Like, it's it's so funny, yeah. because it explores the idea of, you know, the the guy in this wants to have a wife who only has him, and then he gets that. Like, it is doing something on an emotional or, so, like, social level, where I feel like the loved ones doesn't really know what it's trying to say about anything. It's just gross for gross. Yeah, it's gross for gross. And stop, if you're going to put transgressive shit in a movie, don't fuck around. Like, don't be uncomfortable with your own subject matter. So, you mentioned Wolf Creek 2. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Um, which is a better torture, Australian torture film? <laughs> the Loved Ones or Wolf Creek 2? <laughs> Uh, pre uh, the loved ones. It's got to be the loved ones because Wolf Creek Two is completely irredeemable and terrible in a way that I feel like the loved ones at least. Now, all right, all right, all right. So here we go. I'm going to do things that I liked about the loved ones. Um, the performances in this are extremely good. Like, there's not a weak performance in the movie. All of the actors do really, really well. Uh, I feel like. The soundtrack is pretty good. It knows when to be silent, and it knows how to use sound cues. So this was directed by Sean Byrne, who also would go on to direct The Devil's Candy, a movie I like a lot. Yeah, that movie's great. Yeah, it's actually about stuff. Um, now, and I'm, I'm, I'm going a little too hard on a debut horror film. Like, there's stuff that it's doing that I think it does pretty well. It has a pretty consistent aesthetic. It knows what it's doing visually. I think for me it's that I expected more, and that's on me more than anything, but yeah, it's definitely better than Wolf Creek 2 um, for the fact that there's anything good about it. Uh, I also think it's better than The Predator for obvious reasons. Um, I think it's better than Rob Zombie's 31 because there's also anything redeemable about that. There's acting. <laughs> <laughs> there's Yeah, there's, there's acting in it. Um, now, you know a movie that's got unimpeachable acting. What's that? is Walt Disney World Inside Out October Halloween episode. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, now, all right, here we go. I do think it's better than the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot. I think it's better than Thinner, uh, Thinner, which is at number 308. Um, I do think it's better than Gantz O. I think, okay, here we go, actually. I found it. I found my ceiling. I do think it's better than Empire of the Ants. I do not think it is better than Baby, or The Baby at 286. Uh, it's hard to find much that would be better than The Baby <laughs> in terms of, like, uncomfortable family psychodrama. Man, and honestly, without The Baby, I feel like you couldn't do The Loved Ones. In a weird way, I, I had never heard of The Baby before we talked about doing <laughs> it last week, and now it is, like... Its fingers are everywhere. Yeah. It, it, its influence is unimpeachable. It's like the Velvet Underground, how, like, they only sold, like, a thousand records, but everybody who bought the record went on to form a band. 
Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I feel really good about putting at number uh, 287 above Empire of the Ants and below the baby uh, at 287. Um, the loved ones. So I want to talk about the movie Satan Returns. Here we go. And I have not seen Satan Returns. Oh, Ryan. So Satan Returns is a Hong Kong 90s movie Mm -hmm. that is the Hong Kong distillation of everything that was popular in American horror up until 1996, starring a baby Donnie Yen. Oh, shit. So the the movie is about a serial killer who is murdering women. So the Hong Kong Police Department is investigating. Mm-hmm. But the murderer is actually Judas, a disciple of Satan. What? And they're trying to find a woman who was born on June 6th, 1969. Nice. nice. And um, they're interviewing all of these women. And in order to be the devil... Uh, the daughter of Satan, you have to be a woman born on that birthday, and you have to survive having your heart cut out of your chest. So this guy is going around Hong Kong cutting women's hearts out while they're alive, and surprise, surprise, they're all dying. As will happen when you cut somebody's heart out, yeah. Yeah, so Donnie Yen and his cohort of uh, detectives are trying to catch this killer, and find this, they literally name drop Silence of the Lambs and uh, other American horror movies in it. It is, it's a little bit gunkata, like hard boiled kind of John Woo movie. Oh yeah, it's a little bit like old school uh, Chinese uh, kung fu kind of movie. Mm-hmm. It its American release title was originally. Uh, Wu-Tang versus Satan or something like that. <laughs> Holy shit. So does actual ass Satan show up? I don't want to spoil the moving because the ending gets fucking buck wild, but it fucks hard with some devil shit. Well, now I gotta know. Well, you... I, okay, if you want the ending... The ending is so good mm-hmm. that I strongly recommend everyone watch the movie. It is on YouTube. If you get on YouTube, search for Satan Returns. Sometimes it's 666 Satan Returns. Nice. That's another title it's released under. And um, it's about an hour and 40 minutes, and it is hard subbed. Um, it has an old crotchety priest because they figure if we're going to find the daughter of Satan and we're dealing with cultists, any <laughs> priest will do. So they get this old priest to come in. He's like, yeah, that's a painting of the the murderer painted a giant satanic mural in his uh, hideout of all the people he's planning to kill. He says, look, it's all their faces. And they look and they're like, it is all their faces. <laughs> and like everyone who's been murdered has been painted in a mural. It's like, I just looked at the wall. I'm not a genius. Oh, fuck. Would you look at that? <laughs> look at that. Oh. The main character who's having crazy satanic visions <laughs> is the woman who's being crucified on this hill. Uh, Holy shit. And it is like neon upside down crosses are everywhere and uh, everyone is being upside down crucified and everyone has little <laughs> devil horns. It's it's so good. Oh, man. That's so I need to watch this immediately. So if you want to spoil the shit out of it, 
and you just go to the final on YouTube and watch the exact final scene, it is the dopest ending to a fucking movie about trying to kill Satan ever. Quincy, I fucking love Hong Kong horror. It's so good. It's so fucking good. And I feel like at this point, um, it I, I feel like Hong Kong horror specifically is underappreciated in the United States a little bit. Yeah, it is it is woefully underappreciated. And if our podcast does anything, <laughs> it's to give Hong Kong horror cinema more attention. Well, here, here's what it is. Okay, here, here's what it is. Our our podcast exists to give uh to pay attention to Hong Kong cinema, and also Hello Mary Lou Prom Night Two. It's the Hello Mary Lou Prom Night Two. It's those two things. Okay, I can't I I can't uh, not talk about the ending of this movie. Yeah, do it. So. If you want to see this movie, and I strongly... It's weird to say don't listen to the podcast right now, but skip ahead like 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. The ending of the movie, the girl that's the dete- the female detective in the whole movie, who's also born on 6-6-1969. Nice. She gets her heart cut out, and they're like, oh my god, we, you know, it's the ultimate sacrifice. And then they turn back and they look back and she's holding her heart in her hand. He goes, oh, I guess I am the devil, the daughter of the devil. And she's holding her own beating heart and her hair is grown down to the ground and she has fucking devil horns. <laughs> and that's the end of the movie is now it's the apocalypse because, oh, my God, oh, I guess I was. Oh, shit. Satan's my dad. And then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, and literally, God. that's the end of the movie. That's fucking outstanding. And that's how... So, did the movie already have a climax before that? And then they were just like... Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a giant final final good versus evil battle. Cop raid. There's zombie police officers that are fought. They're filled with holy water and kung fu. Uh There are flaming upside down crosses. And a van explodes. And there's, like, gun... uh, sword knife battles and guns and all this and then after that you get that ending holy shit so i cannot recommend this movie more highly (laughs) this sounds like seeding of a ghost levels of like and then there's the third act and it is completely insane and i will say it is nowhere near seeding of a ghost in terms of just insanity i mean nothing also like a lot of especially 90s hong kong Mm -hmm. horror it's it's sex comedy and also horror movie because the premise is all three of the detectives get to know each other because the psychic detective's roommate is fucking the sexy detective who is friends with Donnie Yen, the good detective. Naturally, yeah. And that's why they all get on the same case together is because they just know each other from outside of work. <laughs> Holy shit. So where where would you want to put this on the list? So as much as it pains me to say it, it is only hairs worse than Robotrix, the Kung Fu Terminator movie. Shit. That's incredible. Kung Fu Lady Terminator. Yeah. So bet- so it is so it is better than Robotrix? No, it is just a little bit not as good. It is extremely good but Robotrix leans so hard into the comedy aspect Mm -hmm. and this is spooky horror with a little bit of comedy and I like my um, movies to be a little bit I like my Hong Kong cinema to be a little bit more 
full on batshit. Yeah, completely agree. Like if it's you know in for a penny, in for a pound. I think like you want it to go as hard as it can. And also, uh, no hopping vampires in um, Satan Returns, <sighs> which a real is problem. a big disappointment. Yeah, and so therefore, I can't put it above any other movie with hopping vampires. That makes sense. So, all right. So, uh, another one of our um, movies that is a, uh, a a boss, I think, on our list that we have to figure out if a thing is better or worse than. The Devil's Rejects. So it's not nearly as good as Robotrix, but it's probably better than um, Horror Express. Oh shit! Really? The one with also Satan and God on a train? No, no, that is Terror Train. Horror Express is the um, Christopher Lee, um, Peter Cushing. Uh, oh wait. <laughs> No, Terror, Terror Train is the Jamie Lee Curtis slasher movie. Then what is... Then what the fuck is the <laughs> oh, God and the oh, Devil in a night, Train Night movie? Train to Terror. That's Night Train to Terror. Night Train to Terror. <laughs> Terror Train and Horror Express. Man, train horror movie. We should really... Yeah, there, there should be like a retrospective about train horror. Train, train to Busan, also on our list. Yeah. Actually, I would say robot. It should go right below Robotrix because internet that is the Batman Alien fan film, and it's definitely better than that. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I would I would agree. So, um, uh, two sixty five. Yeah, two sixty five above Batman Dead End, which is just what if Batman, but also Alien and Predator, and below Robotrix. Um, yeah. Um, let's Satan Returns. S- Watch that shit on YouTube. <laughs> fucking also anything that's called Satan Returns, like just like hey, it's me again. Like oh, oh Satan, like he just comes back. And in. what I love is because it's a it's a movie made in Hong Kong. It has an English title and a so it's the what I can only assume are Chinese characters for Satan Returns, preceded by six 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 in Arabic numerals <laughs> because of course. It's got to be 666, and then the Chinese characters for Satan Returns. Man, I feel like I have used 666 in my life so much less post about 16 years old than than I really thought I would. Like, I, I so many fucking screen names when I was a teenager. There is a character in this movie that is alluded to have a upside-down cross formed out of a triple six in his, on his body. That's and the thing I want to know is how the fuck do you make an upside down cross with three sixes? (laughs) Yeah, that's fucking that's commitment to gimmick. I think they don't show it probably because it's impossible to write. (laughs) Yeah, that. uh, How does I don't even know? They're like this guy's probably into devil shit because he has not only a six 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 tattoo, but it's in the shape of an upside down cross. There you go, right there. That's the first clue you have that they're into some devil shit. So uh, we have a listener request uh, that I that I would love to do, which is uh, in our email at rankandvilecast at gmail dot com, which you can also email if you have any movie requests that you would like us to talk about uh, from uh, one of our listeners, Paul, who uh, wrote to us uh, that uh, he would like us to do uh, the people under the stairs. Um, specifically, the way that Paul put it is, uh, I just watched this piece of shit yesterday. It's on Shutter and it's terrible. I want, some to expl- uh, I want someone to explain to me why Big Ed is in a gimp suit. Also, is it me or does the mask make him look like Batman? Keep up the ghoulish work, Paul. Um, man, Paul is coming in hot. Man, man, I appreciate Like, Paul's just like, all right, let me tell you about a piece of shit. Like, outstanding. Um, I, now, 
I love I love the people under the stairs. But I also understand like if you if you've just watched uh, Twin Peaks, seeing uh, Nadine and Big Ed Hurley showing up as evil redneck yuppies who are racist landlords. Uh, Quincy, have you seen the people under the stairs? I have not seen the people under the stairs. Ooh, actually, I tell you what. Uh, would you want to do that one next week and do that as a proper segment where both of us talk about it? <laughs> yeah, we can we can do that because it's cause, tune in, y'all. Oh yeah, because it's on Shutter and it's I, I I would love to talk about it. Also because uh, it's a m- movie by Wes Craven about gentrification. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I would be remiss to uh, not say in this entire episode that we are sponsored by Shutter. Please go check Shutter. Oh, Shutter's great. Yeah, they they yeah they they have been very good to us. Um, so we have a request from Quan Waldrip for the 1977 movie, The Alien Factor. And who boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So give me give me the uh, give me the elevator pitch for The Alien Factor. It is an old school 1950s style uh, spadoink dooley. <laughs> There's a monster on this mountain fucking with some rednecks. The stoink booley. Yeah, but it's made in 1978, so it's got, like, that 1970... Is it the grade of film? Is it the age? What is it that makes 1970s movies look like 1970s it's, movies? It's the sin, is what it is. It just colors the film and... <laughs> the sin and the curly hair. <laughs> That's Yeah, it's, it's uh, unshaven body hair and sin and uh, drugs. And that's how you yeah, get that yellow tint. Yeah, I really like that it's on Prime Video right now for for uh, part of the subscription, mm-hmm. and one of the genres Prime has it listed under is historical. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's a great slice of 1978, really. It really is, though. Like, like so that's what it was like, guys. If you haven't seen the wild, if you haven't seen the poster for the Alien Factor, it. I'm I'm. If you're listening to this right now. Google image search the alien factor and and look at the first poster because there's a lot of screaming and a lot of titties and some bugs and it's just yeah so much and none of the posters actually paint the monster as it looks in the film <laughs> it's it's the very canon films approach of we can't show you what it really looks like because uh, can you take a secret can you keep a secret it's trash <laughs> right so they're like it is the like my heart goes out to the actor that plays the alien because it is the most uncomfortable, all-encompassing rubber suit garbage, and he can barely move in it. Holy shit! Uh, so wait, so wait, so the the cover of the the Alien Factor was just imagine if the monster did look like this. Pretty much. I mean, That'd it looks pretty good if you actually like see some close-ups, but it is not nowhere near the. Uh, the way that the poster makes it out. To yeah. Me. So is it more sci-fi or more horror? Um, it's it's one of those that's kind of in the middle because it does have some horror elements. I mean, it's got that. Um, it's it's a creature feature for sure. Mm-hmm. It's nowhere near, say, like Metamorphosis, the Alien Factor, which is like which you'll also get a lot of results of. Right. Which is a way better, creepier film. Uh, this one is more just like your run-of-the-mill average 
drive-in kind of thing. Well, shit. So what? It's, it sounds like a pretty just like middle of the road creature feature. Yeah, and it's not really. It's it's charming, mm-hmm. but it's also frankly uh, boring. Well, so here we go then. Which uh, which is which is worse, um, or better? I guess let's go with which is worse. Uh, Alien Factor or the Batman, the steampunk Batman cartoon where Poison Ivy is a sex worker who gets killed in the first five minutes. You know, I kind of want to watch the steampunk Batman Gotham by Gaslight. I would watch that again. Mm-hmm. I own both the Alien Factor and Batman Gotham by Gaslight by way of Amazon Video, mm-hmm. and I'm definitely gonna watch Gotham by Gaslight again. I will not watch the alien factor again well there we go so by definition uh batman gotham by gaslight is above that uh you're a, a movie that you truly hate microwave massacre uh i ass- is it better than that no mm. because again it's it's a whole lot of nothing yeah like i it, don't really remember it even I've, I've seen it i watched it all the way through mm-hmm. but i can really not tell you a lot about it yeah. Um, I would say then it goes kind of in our whole bunch of nothing. Uh, I'd say it's better than the Freddy Funko show because that's a cartoon with uh, <laughs> a, a cartoon about Funko Pops. Right. But only by a little bit. <laughs> Jesus. Well, that's. That's fucking grim. Well, no, hold on a goddamn minute. <laughs> That's above Machiste in Hell, and I can't oh. in good conscience put this boring movie over one of the most delightfully gay movies oh, I've seen in a long time. Deeply and passionately gay, and also sweaty. I I I love the fucking Machiste Sword and Sandal movies. Yeah. They're so good. So, all right. So, which is it's worse? It's better than Wacko, though. Oh yeah. Oh, there we go. So, Graydon Cl- Graydon Clark's Wacko or. Uh, the alien factor. The alien factor. Wacko is not good. <laughs> no, no, it is. It is not a good movie. So yeah, but, but I I don't know if I can put it. Okay, so I have not seen Leaving Neverland yet. Oh, buddy, it uh. But uh, Ghosts is on our list. Mm-hmm. Does Ghosts become more reprehensible or more interesting? given the new light and the new revisiting of Michael Jackson's Yeah, life. I that's actually, I haven't seen, I, I only saw the first uh, bit of Leaving Neverland. Uh, I have not seen Michael Jackson's ghosts since that. I'm assuming that it's real fucking uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. But also, historically interesting because of this is how a monster sees himself. Yeah, like, it's a weird... Yeah, it's so weird. So I've also been playing the video game of Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. That game is so hard. Do you know what the power-ups are? Do you remember how you get more life? I do not. Children. Oh, Jesus. Oh. You, you find children in their pajamas in closets, and you, quote, rescue, unquote, them, but it gives you more power. Well, I'm going to lie down and never get back up again. Uh, so, yeah, so I feel good putting that above ghosts. <laughs> and uh, below the village for the... Really? Because I'd put it above burned at the stake because that's, again, a whole lot of nothing. Oh, shit. Actually, yeah, that's that's 
that is a whole lot of nothing. So yeah, so actually, so above Burned at the Stake from 1981, but below Machiste in Hell at number 340 for The Alien Factor. And thanks, Quan, for sending this, that in. If you're not reading Quan's comics, he's got a um, comic series called Power Profiles where he does these uh, portraits and little fun essays about weird people throughout history, like that guy who wore the rainbow wig and the John 316 at all the sporting events. Oh, yeah. So, like, Quan will write, like, a little biography of that dude and, like draw his his um, portrait and he does those on instagram and they're amazing all right quincy where can our listeners find us on the internet we are on almost all of the social medias if y'all want a facebook page does anyone out there listen to it facebook and um instagram have like held it for me and they keep sending me like passive aggressive people tried to look at this page but it's shut down so they didn't see anything are you sure you don't want to turn it on oh, uh so if you want that um shoot us an email at rankinvilecast at gmail.com and let us know mm-hmm. um uh, maybe one of the reasons i don't have that is because my mom is on facebook and i don't want her <laughs> Seeing what her her baby boy, is yeah, like all of us just going like, yeah. So anyway, I was watching Cannibal Holocaust, and that's what we do with our time now. And this is this is who we're elected. My baby, to be. <laughs> it's my baby. Um, we we are now on Spotify also, so that's exciting. Yes, yes. Please go subscribe to us on Spotify. Don't listen to the band Rank and Vile. They have one song. Fuck them. We are the only <laughs> true Rank and Vile on Spotify. Except no substitutes. Uh, we're also on every other major podcasting app. If you're using an app that we don't know about because it seems like there's a new one every time you turn around, uh, also email us at Rankin Ballcast and we'll try to get on so that you can um, check us out on your preferred platform. Hell yeah. Uh, we're on Twitter at Rankin Ballcast and we're on Instagram at Rankin Ball and we're on Tumblr at Rankin Ball. Uh, like we said earlier, if you have a request, go on and email that to us or put it in our ask box. Uh, Ryan, where else are we on the internet? We are on YouTube. Uh, we have um, some a couple of playlists we put together. We are on Letterboxd, which uh, I think Letterboxd... Uh, I, I, I think that I could become a better uh, horror dipshit if I spent less time scanning my Twitter dash uh, listlessly while staring at the end of the world, and more time on Letterboxd, like, fucking around and reading reviews. Letterboxd is fucking crazy. Uh, and we are over there at Just Rank and Vile. We have um, updated lists. We have, uh, yeah, so go, go and ch- uh, check us out there. We're on, yeah, Last FM. We're on so many things. I, I can't think of anything else. Quincy, do you, uh, do you have anything else? No, but I do want to put some requests out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Disc Coon, the anthropomorphic <laughs> floppy disc. I think Rank and Vile might need a mascot. We might need a mascot. So if you have ideas, uh, add us on Instagram or Twitter with... Um, oh, this is where I should come up with a catchy uh, hashtag. If you figure out a good hashtag for your Rank and Vile mascot... Uh, Get at you realize it's it's gonna be a possum in with fingerless gloves. Like that's <laughs> it's it's gonna absolutely be a possum. That's I'm just I'm just gonna call it right now. Uh, that's about all I got. Uh, any, anything else? That's it. Stay spooky, y'all. Later, folks. <laughs>